Are you ready this morning? Who yeah. I'm ready. I'm excited. Uh, man, God's so good. L- listen, you you know we have so much to be happy about this morning. Amen. Like 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 we have Jesus, right? Like like do you know this morning, church family, that like Jesus is in this room with us? How many of you believe that? The presence of God is here. He is here. Did you know that Jesus is alive? Jesus was crucified, but then three days later, God exerted his power and raised his son Jesus from the dead to be alive and well, to live in us and to be around us at all times. That is good news. Amen? Oh, man. And listen, he's alive and well, and he's moving all over the earth in power. Are you seeing it happen? I see it every day in me, through me, to the world around me. Have you been keeping up with what's what's taking place at the Ashbury University of Kentucky? Yo, isn't that awesome? Man, people are worshiping. The presence of God is moving. People are giving their life to Jesus. Bodies are being healed. People are in mass repentance taking place. People are going all in. Things like that are beginning to pop up everywhere. In, in, on college campuses. Do you know that something like that is actually taking place at Sanford University here in Birmingham? So Caroline graduated from Sanford, and so Friday night, Caroline and I and the boys, we decided to go. And so we just snuck in the back of the chapel right there, and y'all, it was so, so powerful and amazing just to watch students just go all in for Jesus. Some crying, some laughing, some sitting still, some going forward, repenting, crying. Y'all, it was awesome. Hey, listen, I want you to know something this morning. We are in revival. Watch. Not only are we in revival, revival is in us. Because revival is not just something that happens. Revival is someone who happens to us. So we're in it and we carry it with us everywhere we go. We can have revival every day, every moment of our life. Because we have the one who is alive and his name is Jesus. Yo, we're in it. We're in it. Are you happy? He's alive. I, I want to talk about like, like revival this morning. And I love this, you guys, that, that we get to live in it, we get to carry it. And this revival gets to be sustained and actually turn into reformation. That's actually what we headed to. My, one of my favorite words that I ever hear my brother Jeremy talk about is that this revival that moves to reformation, this revival sustained in our life. That's what I want to go after this morning. Man, I'm telling you right now, I got chills. There's something happening in my belly right now. Specifically this morning as we talk about revival, sustained reformation, this is the way I want to talk about it. I want to talk about you and I manifesting Jesus. Like like manifesting, representing, representing Jesus everywhere we go with the world that's around us. Watch, it's so simple. Not manifesting more of the world. Manifesting Jesus to the world that we live in. Living a different life. Because you all know this, what I'm about to tell you. 
while there is revival taking place all over the earth, there is also so much deception that is taking place on our earth right now. You, you know it, we see it, we read about it, we hear it. There's so much deception that's taking place from the enemy. And right now there are, are Christian believers and leaders that are falling left and right every day because of the deception that's taking place in the world. Man, what, 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 what is happening is that, man, there are so many believers that are, are lowering the standard of God's word. That there is a watered-down gospel that's being preached, and it's not okay, church. It's not what Jesus paid for. There are so many believers that are sacrificing the truth of God's word on the altar of cultural relevance and political correctness, and it's not okay. The standard of God's word is being lowered. And Jesus paid a price for us to have so much more. He paid a price for you and I to live according to a new standard, the standard of God's kingdom that is at hand that Jeremy just talked about. So that we and everyone else around us can experience true liberty, like real freedom inside and out, so the world around us can actually see something different in us and be set free too. Are you with me? Let me tell you what Jude says. You ever read the book of Jude? Oh, man. You can read it in like five minutes. It's like two pages long. It's one chapter. And Jude writes it, and I think it's so significant that Jude begins writing the book like this. He says, I am Jude, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's interesting because, see, Jude and Jesus came from the same womb. See, see, Jude and Jesus were brothers. Like Jude grew up with Jesus. He knew him well. But he did not play the card, hey, I need everybody to listen to me because I got connections. Like I grew up with this man. No! He said, I am Jude, the humble bondservant of Jesus. What was he saying? He said, listen, I'm writing to you. Not, it's not about me and my connection. This is about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you need him and you have to have him. I'm not writing to you about a brother or a friend, even though he is those things too. I'm writing to you about a Savior and a Lord. He wants to Lord from within you and lead you and guide you and direct you into all truth so that our lives are different, so that we experience the kingdom, so that revival can be sustained and turn into reformation. Are you happy? So he goes on to write in verse 3, he goes, uh, Dearly beloved, it's like I'm getting ready to preach a, a, a wedding sermon. He goes, Dearly beloved, I began diligently writing to you about the common salvation. Which means this, he goes, I began, I started out writing to you about the ABCs of salvation. Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, you believe in him with your heart, he comes into your life and you get saved. He said, but then I felt an urge. And if you actually look up what that word means in the Greek, it actually says, then I felt possessed by Jesus. I began writing about the ABCs of salvation, but then I got possessed by Jesus and I had to change the way I was writing. Now I'm diligently, earnestly writing to you to contend for the faith. Oh, Think about that just for a second. I started out the ABCs of salvation. Then I got possessed by Jesus. 
And here's what he really is saying. I, I begin to realize that the fullness of salvation is not just that grace forgives us of our sins and we're saved. It's that grace empowers us to live righteously. Ephesians 2.8 says you're saved by grace through faith. And that same grace empowers us to keep the faith, to contend with the faith, to lock eyes with Jesus and run with him for an eternity. That's so cool. Like Jude had a revelation as he's writing about the gospel way. It's, it's way more than just the forgiveness of sins. It's the righteous life that Jesus paid for me to have. Think about this just for a second. Grace is a person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit and his power. And so the spirit and his power in us is helping us and empowering us to no longer be deceived. To live according to a new standard. To, to, to not sacrifice the truth of God's word on the altar of cultural relevance and political correctness. Are you with me? But to actually consecrate our heart to the heart of Jesus so that we can experience the kingdom, so that we can live differently, so that the world around us can look at us and see Christ in us, the hope of glory, church. This is what it looks like to contend for the faith. Jude had a revelation, boy. Woo! It's way more than you think it is. Church family, look at me. This is so important. And I'm, I'm preaching to my own heart this morning. Okay, you ready? We are supposed to be different than the rest of the world. Make no mistake about it. We are, our, we are supposed to look different. We're not supposed to walk like and talk like and act like and think like and respond like everyone else in the world. We are not supposed to just blend in and go with the flow. We're supposed to, we've been called to look different, to walk different, to act different. It doesn't mean that we're better than anyone. It just means that we believe that what God has for us and what he has for the world around us is so much better than what the world is presenting right now. Are you with me? We're supposed to be different, church. We're not supposed to blend in. Our attitude is not supposed to be like the rest of the world. See, most of the world that we live in, their attitude is bad. They might not know Jesus yet. So most of the world that we live in, their attitude is bad. But see, the Bible says that we're going to have the attitude of Jesus Christ. See, we get to see things from a different perspective, from a kingdom vantage point. Hallelujah. See, most of the world around us, man, they, 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 they get mad at the drop of a hat. They're just they always they just get mad at everything. But see, the Bible says that we as believers get to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Hallelujah. See, we're we're supposed to be different. See, we're not supposed to have the same attitude as everyone else. So that they can see Christ in us. We're supposed to be little Christ-like ones, Christians. Sons and daughters, believers, followers of this man named Jesus. We're supposed to represent something bigger and better, the kingdom of God. See, most of the world around us, man, they complain about everything. As a matter of fact, the world looks for ways to complain. They're in a long line, man, this is such a long line, man, jeez. When am I going to get to the front of the line, man? The, the world is complaining, man, that my mail hasn't delivered yet. Why are my vitamin gummies not here yet? My hat hasn't delivered yet. And it's a Bass Pro Shop hat, and I love to fish. Man, 
then the, the waiter and the waitress, man, they just, they just keep messing up my order. So we complain and complain. But see, we're supposed to be different. We don't complain and grumble. We're thankful and grateful. When we get up, finally get up to the front of the line and the cash register lady goes, I'm so sorry you had to wait. We go, it's all good. You're okay. You're busy. I said, do you know how much Jesus loves you? Is there anything going on in your life that I can pray for you about? Yo, that's us. That's believers. Oh, my goodness. When the mail lady finally delivers the package, we run out to the mailbox. And they go, I'm so sorry it took so long. No worries. You're busy. There's a lot going on. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? He has the greatest plan for your life. How can I pray for you? What if we were different? I mean, most of the world around us gets offended at the drop of a hat. But see, we, don't, we, we live unoffended as believers, or we're supposed to. When somebody wrongs me or does something bad to me, I can afford it because I'm rich in God's mercy. Woo! I am so full of grace. I, I, I do not have to be a part of the world's problem. I get to be a solution to the problem. I get to meet people where they are. Freely I receive and freely I get to give away. I get to play a role in loving people towards the heart of the Father. That's who I am in Christ. I'm good. I got Him. Are you with me? Most of the world around us gets anxious and worried about everything. But the Bible says when life throws us a curveball, don't be anxious about anything. But with prayer and petition, simply present your request to the Father. When someone else is, is anxious, we get to go up to this. I know you're worried about this. I know you're anxious. But I'm telling you right now, Jesus has the answer. He's already paid the price. If you will let me pray for you, his peace will come in and surpass your understanding. And it will grip your heart and your perspective will change. Wow! What, oh, what if we did that? What if we lived differently? Most of the world around us walks in so much unforgiveness. And they stiff arm people. And they hold grudges. But not us. We actually walk towards them and say, listen, man, I'm forgiving you the same way that the Father forgives me. I love you so much. Oh, my gosh, Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as Christ God forgave you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Jesus loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. We're supposed to be different. As believers, we're supposed to stand firm on the word of God and not come off. We are not supposed to validate other people's lifestyle choices and decisions that don't line up with the word of God. Are you with me? We stand on the word. Listen, you don't really love them if you're not willing to share the truth with them. You share the truth in love, but it's the truth nonetheless because you want to see them step into the liberty that Jesus paid for them to have. So we stand firm on the word of God. We live it, we demonstrate it, we speak it. Are you with me? Did you know that the devil could care less if you call yourself a Christian as long as you don't act like one and live like one? He could care less if you come to church on Sunday morning and worship and pray and read your Bible and say amen. As long as that doesn't carry over to the rest of your life. As long as you and I just blend in and go with the flow and act like and walk like and talk like everyone else, he's got us right where he wants us. A casual, comfortable, boring Christian life. No good for you and no good for anyone else around you. And we were born and created for so much more, church.
Here's what the Bible says. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. I'll refer to this scripture a couple of times this morning. It says this. This is awesome. Oh, it's so good. It says, come out and be saved. Y'all, this is so rich. Like, let's just, let's eat it this morning. Look, let's eat the word of God. It says, come out, be separate. And the context here is, do not yoke yourself any longer with the world. Be unyoked. Come out, be separate. And then it says, stop touching things that are unclean. I will receive you and be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Woo! It's saying that as sons and daughters, we're supposed to come out and be separate from the rest of the world. Listen, the, the world's definition is so manipulated, so twisted. The world's definition of coming out is coming out of the closet. That's the world's definition. Come out of the closet and, and let everybody know that you're a homosexual. Now, how many of you know that the devil is a liar? He twists, he distorts, he manipulates. How many of you know that he has never and will never be able to create anything? He takes everything that Jesus has already created, he manipulates it, twists it, perverts it. See, Jesus is the real true originator of what it means to come out and be different and be separate. Are you with me? The enemy has manipulated, come out of the closet, homosexuality. Jesus says, no, no, no. He began the real, true coming out party. Unyoke yourself from the world. Not because you're better than anyone else, but because you believe that God is who he says he is. And you want him not just for you, but for the sake of the world around you. Are you happy? This is us, y'all. Come out, be separate. We're not supposed to blend in. We're not supposed to go with the flow. We're not supposed to walk like, talk like, act like, think like, move like everyone else. Otherwise, how is the world around us ever going to see Christ in us, the hope of glory that they're looking for? Did, did you know, church, I've shared this so many times, but Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, says that God planted eternity in the hearts of mankind. Oh, man, think about this for a second. God planted eternity, which means every person on the planet is longing and looking for the kind of eternal things that can only come from the Father. And they're looking for it in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. They're ultimately, this is what that scripture says, there's a Jesus-shaped hole inside of every person's life. Are you with me? Every person on the planet is headed towards the cross. Everybody is wired for a, a relationship with Jesus. They might not know it yet, but they are. And if we live like everyone else, if our lives look no different, when people look at us and they can't tell anything in us and would never know that we're a Christian, that is a problem because God's chosen us to be a vessel and a mouthpiece to release the kingdom of God through. Are you with me? Both by the way that we live and our willingness to open up our mouth and share Jesus with others. This is what God's created us for. Come out. Be separate because I've chosen you to be a witness. To stand on something, to, to live according to a new standard. Y'all look, if we just live in the same mess that everyone else lives in, what good are we for them? Are you with me this morning? You guys, we want revival. How many of you want revival? Well, congratulations, we're in it. it we're in it and it's in us. How many of you want revival to be sustained? How many of you want reformation? 
How many want to see the whole world come to know Jesus? Well, you play a role in it. You play a role both by the way that you live and your willingness to not be silent about who he is. See, Romans chapter 8, verse 19 says, the whole earth is groaning for sons and daughters. Watch this. To manifest God. It doesn't say the whole earth is groaning for sons and daughters to manifest more of the world. Think about it. People already live in the world. There's nobody in this whole world, nobody, that is truly looking for more of the world. I promise. I promise. It might look like they are, but they're not. There's something on the inside of them that's longing and looking for more. They're looking for something that's right. They're looking for something that's real, something bigger, something better. They're looking for Jesus. The whole earth is groaning for sons and daughters to manifest not more of a mess. They're already in a mess. To manifest God. Are you with me? And when we begin to truly consecrate our heart to Jesus, and we get serious about our relationship with Jesus, and we wake up every day fully submitted, committed to Him, we begin to represent Him to the world. And then the world can finally see something different in us and go, man, this is what I've been waiting on, longing for, and looking for, something different. Are you with me? Earth is groaning for sons and daughters to manifest God. Here's what it means to manifest. Both by the way we live, I just got through talking about that, and our willingness to not be silent about who He is. Listen, being that we are truly in love with Jesus, being that we're really, really in love with Jesus, I know every person in this room, I know you are. Then how is it that we can live our life in love with Jesus and never share Him with anyone? Being, if Jesus is the most important thing in your life, if I were to ask you, hey, what's the most important thing you have in life? Every one of you would be my relationship with Jesus. If your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, how can we ever live and hold him back? Both by the way that we live and our willingness, man, to simply share him with others if there's a world around us that's groaning. I'm, this is not me trying to make you feel bad for what you haven't done. I'm speaking to my own heart. This is me reminding you that this is who we are. Sons and daughters created to manifest God every day in our life. This is revival. This is reformation. This is the whole world being changed. Are you with me? Woo! We're manifesting Jesus. How can we hold him back? And and look, look, both by the way that we live and, and the our willingness to not be silent, I think that we've overcomplicated what it looks like to share Jesus with others too. I think we've overcomplicated sharing the gospel and evangelism. See, we have turned evangelism into an event rather than a lifestyle. And it's so much about just who you are. It's just you everywhere you go, man, with an open heart. It's as simple as, hey, man, I just, I do this everywhere I go. Hey, I just, hey, I'm, I'm just out today. I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. Hey, it can start there. Right? Hey, Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. Hey, I'm out today, man. I'm praying for people. Is there anything going on in your life you need prayer for? Boom. Sometimes for me, look, it's just as simple as this. I can't tell you how many people have, excuse me, given their life to Jesus just by me asking. Hey, bro, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Do you know him? No? I don't think so. Oh, man, would you like to? Yeah, I really would. But just ask him. 
we've overcomplicated. We've made it so much about us and something rather than about people and someone. Jesus. And uh, three Wednesday nights ago, we had our first Wednesday outreach. It was so incredible. And that's when we opened up the church and people come to get groceries. Did you know that four families came uh, three Wednesday nights ago? And we got to feed them from the food pantry groceries that you all brought and sewed into the kingdom of God. Four families, and all four families, I had a team ready. They got prayed over and loved on. And there was one 18-year-old kid standing there. And John Z starts talking with him. And I join in, and, and John Z's telling him about the Lord and telling him about the youth group and things like that. And I just simply, I say, hey, man, before you leave, have you ever given your life to Jesus? And he goes, I said, oh, bro, I said, I said, would you like to know him tonight? And he goes, yeah, I really would, and he begins to cry. I just asked him. I just asked him. It doesn't always happen that way. But I just asked him, and then right there, I just shared the simple gospel. Right there. And right there, John Z actually in Spanish led him to the Lord, and he gave his life to Jesus standing right there in that corner. Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you heard me. I don't know if you just heard somebody gave their life to Jesus. I'm the foyer. Y'all, that's incredible. And then afterwards, man, he said this. He said, I've never felt this much peace in my life. I said, bro, that's Jesus. And then he said this, because he knew a little bit of the Bible. He said, he said, I don't, this, don't know if this makes sense, but he goes, I feel like John 3.16. He said, I know that for God so loved the world. He said, but I feel like God's world standing here. And I looked at him and I said, bro, you are God's world. I said, you are the apple of his eye. And Jesus has been looking forward to this moment for an eternity, bro. We all just hugged him, get around him. And then John Z and I went to the Latino store and we're passing out flowers about the food pantry. Listen, man, you, you, you should come out with me sometime. You should just, just go out on outreach. It's the, it will be the most fun you have ever had. It is so much more fun than sitting on your couch eating tater chips and watching Netflix. I, you, I'm telling you, man, you should, you should just go out. We went out in the Latino store, and this guy named Carlos walks up, and John Z just walks up to him, starts telling him how much Jesus loves him, and just simply says, hey, bro, you giving your life to Jesus yet? And Carlos goes, no. John Z says, you want to? He goes, yeah, I do. Right there, gave his life to Jesus. Boom. Right there in front of the store. As we're talking with him, I felt in my heart that he had pain from the back of his knee to the bottom of his heel. I'm practicing words of knowledge, right? I said, hey, Carlos, man, I'm feeling something in my heart. Do you have pain that goes from the back of your knee to the bottom of your heel? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it hurts me every day when I go to work. I said, bro, we're going to pray for you, and Jesus is going to completely heal you, all, your whole leg. I said, it's going to be awesome. And by that time, Tate and John Z's daughter Michelle and two other youth, youth, youth. Oh, whoa. They showed up, and we all just began to pray. And his pain level went from a 10 to a 7 about a four or five and then down to a zero. I think we prayed four times. He was jumping, walking. He was crazy. Hey, listen, you know what the Bible says? In Mark chapter 8, it says that Jesus prayed for a blind guy twice. So if Jesus prayed for somebody twice, how many times do we get to pray for somebody? As many as we want. Because it ain't about us. It's about Christ in us and his desire. So that night, Carlos received the healer in his life and physical healing all at the same time. Simply because he just asked, hey, you want to know Jesus? Yeah, I really do. Y'all, we, we, if the whole world is groaning 
to sons and daughters to manifest God. We can't be silent about who Jesus is, both by the way that we live. Come out. We're supposed to be different, church. We got to stop touching things that are unclean. We got to stop validating things that don't line up with the Word of God. We got to stand on the truth in love. We got to share Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Jesus. They need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He is here, alive and well. Revival is happening. Are you happy? Can I tell you what the groaning looks like in about 10 minutes? The whole earth is groaning for sons and daughters to manifest God. You know what? Groan, it does not mean, the groaning does not mean everybody's walking around singing kumbaya and saying, God, come touch me, come heal me, come. No, 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 no. It's actually quite the opposite. It's the times that I've stepped out and said, hey, bro, Jesus loves you so much. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And they go, uh, bro, nah, get away from me. That's groaning. It's when I go up to a family in Target, true story, and I say, hey, man, we're out praying for people today. Jesus loves you. That's the greatest prayer of your life. How can I pray for you today? And she turns her buggy and says, you get away from my family and walk to another one. Hey, church, look at me. That is not them rejecting me. That is them groaning for Jesus. They just don't realize that he's standing right in front of them. Wanting to meet them right where they are. So I walk away not discouraged, not offended. I'm different. I got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I walk away and my heart hurts. It's, it's, it's what it looks like to suffer for the sake of Jesus, church. That's true suffering. When your heart begins to burn for the same things that his heart burns for, and people don't receive him or, or accept him as personal savior or whatever, and they walk away, that hurts your heart. Hallelujah. Because you love them and you want to see them come to know Jesus. But it's also this powerful reminder that they and everyone else is groaning, so I can't stop. I keep going with Jesus to give this thing away by the way I live and my willingness to not be silent about who he is. This is what we were created for, church. Are you happy? This is awesome. It's the Jesus life. The groaning looks like a year ago I walk into Domino's. There's a Domino's bar house. Hey, by the way, our boys, have you ever had... The, the, the cheese pizza from Domino's with the white sauce. That thing treats you right. This Domino's is way too close to our house. And so I, I know it well on the nights that we just, we just ain't got it in us to cook. $7.99. I walked into Domino's a year ago, man, and the, and the lady, the girl behind the cash, I said, hey, before I order, I just want you to know how much Jesus loves you. I said, is there anything I can pray for you about? And she goes, uh, no. As a matter of fact, I'm going to turn around and walk to the back of the store so we cannot continue this conversation. She turns around and walks to the back of the store. Somebody else has to come up. The table, is, is, there's no awkward moments in the kingdom, okay? <laughs> Woo! But did you know now a year later, I can walk in there, same girl, turn around and walk to the back of the store. I can ask her how her day's going, tell her how much Jesus loves her, and she'll look at me and smile and have a conversation with me. You know why? Dude, just time after time after time, I just live differently. As a matter of fact, she and several others in the store not too long ago, I walked in and, and, and I'm smiling and asking how their day's going. They go, why are you so happy? Nobody is this happy to come get a pizza. 
But I said, I'm happy because I have Jesus. He is my joy. I said, I'm this way all the time. You can ask my wife. You can ask my family. My, my sister Liz is here. You, you can ask my family. I'm this. I, and, and they're like, man, this doesn't make any sense. Well, like, you know, why do you take time to, to, to ask us how our day's going? Because I love you. I could care less about this pizza. I care about you. You have to know Jesus. Are you with me? And so time after time, I'm just myself. I represent something di different. Man, uh, customers come in, they mess up their order, they grumble, they complain. They messed up our order one time. I took it back in, sat on the, on the, on the counter, and I waved my hands like this. This is a true story. I said, hey, everybody, look at me right here. They said, it's all good. You guys are busy. You're making a lot of pizzas. Thank you so much for blessing our family so that we wouldn't have to cook tonight. And in unison, they stopped what they're doing and all looked at me like this. I promise, I promise. Because we're not supposed to be like everybody else. We're supposed to come out and be separate. See, what's happening is that dominoes, it's not seeing me, they're seeing Christ in me, and he's attractive. See, uh, Philippians chapter uh, 5.13, it says, if you're crazy out of your mind, it's for the sake of Jesus. But how many you know that craziness gets the attention of the world? Next thing you know, they're seeing Christ in you. They go, man, this is what I need. That girl's going to give her life to Jesus at Domino's. She's groaning. Because the whole world is waiting on us to manifest not more of the world, but to manifest Jesus. This is what revival looks like. Revival is not just here, church. I hate to bust your bubble. It ain't. It's a great place to start, but at some point, we get off our knees like Peter did on the day of Pentecost, and we turn and we face a crowd of hurting people that are in need of a Savior, and we address them, and 3,000 are added to the kingdom of God that day. Are you with me? This is revival. This is reformation. This is what it looks like when Jude was writing about to contend for the faith. Contend for the faith, y'all. Let me give you one more example of the groaning. You ready? I've already mentioned this. The, the, the enemy is such a liar. He's such a poser. Do, do you know, in all of my 40 years of being alive, I believe with all my heart, and some of you even that are older than me can probably attest about this, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest lies of the enemy that I've heard since I've been alive is this, that it's okay to live based upon your feelings. It's okay to be led by your feelings. And y'all, that's trickling over into the church. Be led by your feelings. If it feels good, do it. If it feels right, say it. If that's how you feel, then that's who you are. But what about the facts? And what about the truth and the standard of God's word? What about it will make you sad and righteously mad when we have precious little boys and girls going to public school? And the teacher bends down and is talking to a little boy and says, hey, how do you feel today? And the boy goes, well, I know that I'm a boy, but I feel like a girl. And the teacher goes, well, if that's how you feel, then that's who you are. So when it comes time to play dress up, the teacher gives the boy a dress to put on. Come on. Hey, no, no, no. It's okay. If it feels good, do it. If that's how you feel, then that's who you are. It's a lie from the enemy. It's the deception that's taking place right now. What about the facts? You ready? What about the fact that that little boy has a penis? Can we talk about that? Is that okay that I just said penis? 
What about the standard of God's word? It says God created mankind in his image, both male and female, and he separated them. Come out and be separate. He gave them separate private body parts so that there's no confusion. And the biggest thing that's taking place in our society is this gender confusion. It's a lie from the enemy. It's deception. And my whole point is that it's really a world that's groaning for a Savior named Jesus, waiting on us to stand on the truth of God's Word and live it out and walk it out. To not be silent about who Jesus is. To live different. To come out and be separate. To stop touching things that are unclean. Stop validating other people's choices that don't line up with the Word of God. I know what you're thinking. You go, Wes, this sounds a little intense. It's the Word of God. It's the full gospel. It meets you where you are and it forgives you of everything. It's amazing, but then it empowers you so that this revival within us can be sustained so that we can run with Jesus to make a difference in the world. Are you with me? I, 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 listen, I could give examples. All day. What about the LGBTQ plus community? Come on. Hey, look, if we're going to be willing to share the full gospel, we have to talk about things that no one else is talking about. And we'll talk about them here at the last because we love you. And, and they go, and a lot of them are believers. I believe it with all my heart. They've given their life to Jesus. They have a home in heaven. One day it's amazing. It's awesome. But they go, man, God, you know, this is just, this is my lifestyle. So I've chosen to live. And God loves me no matter what. Yeah, he loves you no matter what. Well, no, you know, God accepts me for who I am. Yeah, he accepts you for who you are. But who you are is not the lifestyle that you chose. The lifestyle you chose is the decision that you made because of a feeling that you had that came from the liar himself, the enemy. Are you with me? It's, no, it's not okay. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's not what Jesus paid for us to have. You could use that with any example. I have had Christian couples, before they get married, come to me and go, Hey, Wes, I know you talk about not having sex before marriage. They go, but I can't find that in the Bible. You show me where that's at in the Bible. Wait till you get married before you have sex. And I look at them and go, hey, bro, you're not looking at her. I said, it's in the second chapter of the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. God says the husband will leave the mother and father, be joined to his wife, and then they'll become one flesh. God reveals his design for this thing, the very first book of the Bible, almost the first chapter. And he created Adam and Eve. He goes, let me establish this thing in such a healthy, powerful way so that you don't just survive and we really thrive in this area of your life. Oh my goodness. And I go, there's, there's a chance there that while you're looking, man, you're just, you're manipulating the Word of God to fit your plan and your lifestyle. Church, look at me. We don't change the Word of God, it changes us. Bottom line, period. It's the standard, it's the truth. It's what Jesus paid for us to have. What's so amazing is that couple was really awesome, in love with Jesus, and they found it. They're like, this is really good, and we're going to wait. <laughs> it's awesome. Y'all, come out, be separate. Not because you're better, because you believe that God wants to receive you. We've got to stop touching things you're unclean. We've got to walk differently and talk differently and act differently so that the world around us can see something different in us. Christ in us. So they can see real love and real joy and real peace and real freedom. Are you with me, church? And I'm telling you right now, if you're here this morning 
And there's some areas of your life that you haven't separated yourself from the world. Jeremy's already done it. Oh, man, he hit it on the nose. He goes, man, it's time to repent, church. You, you know the Ashbury revival that's taking place in Kentucky right now. Do you know what the main theme is taking place from it? From it is mass repentance. It's people getting on their face and giving their all to Jesus. Y'all, that's beautiful. It's the surrendered life, right? If you're here this morning and there's an area of your life that's not yoked, to the world, if you're here and there's an area of your life that, uh, or that is yoked to the world, or that you're kind of hanging on to, right, that you're like, you you haven't let go of yet, I have real good news this morning, Jesus is ready to meet you right where you are, there is grace, there is forgiveness, and all you have to do is ask, if you're here this morning, and you're feeling convicted about any area of your life that's yoked to the world, there's any area that hasn't come out and been suffered, man, you're probably in good company for one. I'm, I'm actually, as I preach this morning, my own heart is getting convicted. But did you know, like, like the, the, God loves us so much that he not only forgives us from our sins, he loves us so much that he convicts us of our sin. See, n- not, not guilt. Not shame, not condemnation. See, condemnation says God is mad at me, but conviction says Godly is madly in, God is madly in love with me. This, do, you, do you see the difference? I understand. I get it. I know that sin has been talked about for so long in such an unhealthy way. But I'm telling look at me, church. I'm telling you right now that we can talk about it in a healthy way, and it's with the conviction of the love of the Father. You can't just eliminate it altogether. I'm going to say this, and we'll just, we'll just see what happens with it. Watch. Until you understand what sin costs you, you'll never understand or appreciate what Jesus paid for you to have. I get it. I know. He's like, Wes, like, you're, you're being sin-focused. No, I'm actually Jesus-focused, and he empowers me to live a righteous life. Come on, I know some of you think, like, Wes, man, this is intense. No, it's the Word of God that actually became flesh and dwelt among us and probably shared way more intense things than these. Because he loves you. So I've got the most incredible news for every person in this room, including myself. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what is still yoked to the world, Jesus will meet you where you are. There is grace, there is forgiveness, not condemnation, not guilt, not shame. This unconditional, powerful love that wants to forgive you and set you free so that you can come out and be separate and begin to be all that God's called you and created you to be. Are you happy? Man, can we all just stand up? Oh, man. Hey, y'all, listen, everything that I shared this morning, like this, y'all, this is exciting. Y'all, this, this is revival. This is revival. This spills over into reformation. It's the yes to Jesus. It's the all in. It's, It's this desire to wake up every day and say, Holy Spirit, Will you point out anything in me that needs to be corrected, adjust, uh, adjusted, or that is not separate from the world? Because I want to bear fruit in this area of my life. 
Are you with me? Put your hands out in front of you and just simply pray this prayer. Jesus, I want to bear fruit. Come on, I want to bear fruit. Come on, say it again, Jesus. Keep saying it over and over. Jesus, we want to bear fruit. Jesus, we give you our lives this morning. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you that this morning we get to come to you and lay it all down and we never have to look back again. You meet us where we are. There is grace. There is complete forgiveness. Whoa! And then we just get to run with you, no looking back, but looking forward. Stepping into more and more of you, Jesus, and all that you've created us. I pray that in the name of Jesus over every person that's in this room. Come on, Jesus. Come on again, just say, Jesus, we want to bear fruit. We want to bear fruit, Jesus. Man, lad, you can start the, the, the worship song, and I just, I want to open up, man, just the front of the stage, man, just for you to come. If you feel led, you can sit where you're sitting, you can walk around. If you feel led to come up and get on your knees, if you need to give Jesus your life for the first time, it's real simple, church. Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for dying for me. And I invite you to come into my life to forgive me from all of my sins. You say something like that and you mean it with your heart. He'll come in and he'll change you forever. If you need to come forward this morning and just lay something down, he'll take it from you and replace it with life. If you need healing in your body, man, let's just go for everything. Whatever you need this morning, Jesus is in the room. He'll meet you where you are. He'll help you. He'll forgive you. He'll save you. He'll heal you. He is revival. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And I'll be up here if you need prayer with me, Jeremy, any of the fivefold, and you come forward. Come get on your face. Get on your knees. Take just a few minutes. And if you have kids, go grab them.